Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning and welcome. Happy New Year, everybody. Thanks, Randy, for covering for me last week. I haven't heard the talk yet. I'll listen to it this week on the Genesis podcast, so I encourage you guys to do the same. So we're starting a series. It's going to be 12 weeks. And the series is all about missional living. It's called The Essentials, Cultivating a Missional Life. And we'll explain that a little bit more as time goes on. You know, I remember hearing about essentials when I first became a follower of Christ. And at that time, the essentials were, what do you believe? Do you believe in the incarnation? Do you believe in the the bodily resurrection? And these were the essentials for us to be, you know, Christian. But As important as those things are, I have moved to a place where, for me, the essentials are not just what I believe. It's what I'm becoming. It's how I live. It's what I do. Because if I believe all the essential things but don't have a changed life or a life that looks like Christ, then those essentials really aren't essential. I mean, they're important. Don't get me wrong. I'm not belittling any of those things, but that by itself does not bring about what we are supposed to be, and that is like Jesus. And so I want to jumpstart us into this new year and see how can we further be like Christ individually and as a community. So this morning, I'm going to talk about the 1971 Silmar earthquake Calling 911, Ancestry.com, a Jewish doctor, and ostriches. All right? In Isaiah chapter 6, starting at verse 1, the prophet says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory." At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. 
Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. So interesting as this chapter starts out, King Uzziah died. And we read that and go, okay, rest in peace. But to understand fully of why this is so important or even traumatic, Imagine if someone in an important position, like a president, remember when John F. Kennedy was assassinated and how it affected everybody. Well, imagine if it wasn't just the president, but it was also the Senate. It was also the House representative. It was also the judicial system. Imagine if that was all shook. Because when a king dies at this period of time, it changes the whole structure of that nation. And so when King Uzziah died, it's no small thing. This is a big deal. Everything's going to be in turmoil. How are we going to continue? Who's going to be in charge? Are the same people going to be in charge of our military? Are the same people going to be in charge of our judicial system? The king makes those decisions, and now he's gone, and so the place is shaken. In 1971, they had a 6.5 earthquake, the Silmar earthquake. Anyone born and remember that? I thought my brother was trying to wake me up. He was just shaking the bed, and I was just going to ignore him. And I was just, man, he's being consistent. Boy, he's really shaking. And all of a sudden, I woke up, and I realized, oh, we're having an earthquake. And we had a little small terrier dog who left a river of pee down the hallway as this whole thing happened because he was freaking out. And that whole day was just watching the news and seeing collapsed freeways, and everything was shaken. Well, imagine the whole nation is shaken because the king is gone. And after this happens, these angels are seen. And what's happening here is Isaiah is seeing the presence of God in the turmoil that is taking place. And what a strange thing in the midst of turmoil for these angels to cry, holy, holy, holy. And what a strange thing in this midst of turmoil for God to ask, who can we send? And then Isaiah's heart opens up and says, here am I, send me. In other words, the turmoil that's taking place, the need that is present and there, I love those little hiccups, the the needs that are taking place, I will step into them. We fast forward in the trajectory of this in Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 3 says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release for, from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. 
and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And so here is this anointing. This is what God has sent me to do, called me to do. Here is what I'm going to do. Now, these words are echoed by Jesus in Luke chapter 4 as he begins his ministry. And so what we're seeing here is in the midst of calamity, tragedy, when there is need, God is looking for someone to go and help. When you call 911, they send someone to help. Karina and I were walking the other night and there was a fire in the middle of an alleyway. It looked like a trash can fire or something. We thought, that's not normal. So we called 911 and then ran because we started. No, we, <laughs> we called 911 because there's a fire there. I can't put the fire out. I'm, I was walking. I had my jacket on. It's a fire. But they can do it. You call and they send help. God is calling. Isaiah is responding. And he is taking that burden as his own. And he's responding to it. And he is stepping into it. And that's exactly what Jesus did. You see... This has been given different names throughout our church history. You know, we, we've called it, well, the word apostle means one who sent. Mission, missio in the Latin is sending, right? And, and so we have churches called apostolic churches, which really don't mean the same thing anymore. And now a new terminology is kind of a missional church, but it's not new. This is something that has been going on. It's been at the heart of what God has been doing all along from the beginning in Genesis 22 when God sent Abraham to the world to bless all the nations to the angel being sent in Revelation chapter 22. Everywhere in between, God is ascending God. He is a missional God. And if that's who he is, then who are we to be? Being sent is at the heart of God's message found in Scripture. Jesus in John 20, verse 21 said, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me. I am sending you. Who is he sending? Well, his disciples. Well, who are his disciples? All of us, right? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Therefore, go. What is go? That's being sent. Go. Go do this. Go make disciples. Go do what I was doing. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Why send us? Why is that so important? There have been a number of postures, views throughout our history of what the church is about, what is our purpose. And I want to touch on them briefly and kind of look at where we are and what we want to do and who we want to become as followers of Christ, right? 
The first idea is kind of a Reformation ideology. And this ideology is that we come to church to get proper preaching of the Bible, proper administration of the ordinances, taking communion, baptism, and proper exercise of church discipline. Make sure everyone's living as they should live, representing Jesus correctly, right? And a lot of us have grown up in this kind of culture where this is what we see as church being that. With this, the purpose of the church is a place where people go, get taught the Bible, to get baptized, to partake of communion, to be accountable to the standards of biblical living. This is kind of a a reformational idea of what church is. And then there's a contemporary ideology where the church is where kind of religious goods and services are produced, right? We go and we get blessed by the music. We go and our children get blessed by the children's ministry. We go and we like the sermon, we hope. Um, And so this becomes a place where our needs are met. Have you ever heard that? My needs aren't met at this church. Right? We, we go there to get these needs met. Now, not everything in these ideologies is bad. These aren't bad things. Not in and of themselves. What's bad is that the church becomes a type of institution that exists for members. It's consumer-driven. It's about coming here, getting blessed, and then hopefully leaving here blessed so that you can affect others. But there's another ideology that I want to talk about, and it's more of a missional participant. It's a body of people who are sent on mission. This is where everybody is a part of this work, that as Jesus was sent by the Father, he is sending each one of you to do the work that he did. Those things that we heard Isaiah announce, the things that Jesus repeated in Luke chapter 4, are the things now that we get to continue in doing. This sees church as a people called and sent by God to participate in his mission of building the kingdom. And this ideology, we don't gather for ourselves, but for others or for God's desire for others. And you can think of it like this, not that the church has a mission, but God's mission has a church. And if we start thinking of this in a different sense, then we don't see ourselves as being bystanders but we are actually participants in what God is doing. You see, it's not my job to go to the hospitals. I mean, I do. It's not my job, though, to go when you have someone who, hey, you know, my my brother is, you know, hurting and this happened, and can you uh, go and talk to him? That's not my job. That's your job as much as it is mine. 
Now, if someone here is sick and in the hospital, I'm going to go, their family. I'm going to call, see if you're okay. But I can't do that for everybody. And I shouldn't. We're all supposed to be doing this. I have gone to a number of hospital calls where I wasn't invited by the people who were in the hospital, and it didn't go well. I have PTSD from some of these. I'm not kidding. There's some, I could tell you stories where I show up to, you know, hey, I'm here, I'm a pastor, and things start flying at me. I say, okay, sorry. And it's like, why did you ask me to go? Your friends, let them throw things at you. See, but it's not my job. And this other kind of reformation or contemporary model has a pastor at a center that does the work of ministry and everyone else watches. But it seems as if the model Jesus has set forth is that he is sending because God is a God who sends to those who are in need when there is the need. And that's what we want to be. We join God's mission. We are all involved. It's not just a few. It's not just the leadership. And I know what some of you may be thinking. I can't go. What am I going to say? I don't know the Bible. What if they ask me questions? What if this... You see, we need to change what essentials really are about. The essentials aren't having all the right answers. The the essentials are bringing hope to the brokenhearted. It's comforting those who are in need. And you can do that. You can go and cry with somebody. You can go put your arm with someone. You can take a meal. You could do that better than me. I guarantee it. You can be present in the lives of someone who's struggling and has a need. You don't have to know everything. You have to show up. And when you show up, because God has sent you, God shows up as well. You know, I just got a text this morning that my DNA was being looked at by Ancestry.com. Don't worry, I sent it in, right? So it wasn't like, so what? You know? But it's been so interesting, so many things. I don't know if you guys have been following all the things that happen with this. I know people who have sent in their DNA, the spit that they sent in, and find out that their father isn't their real father. The father that they thought was their father all these years is not really dad. Yeah, that's a wake-up call. And that's happening a lot. Okay, now, oh, wait a second. Who is who was this How did I get Irish in me, right? Not me. I haven't found out my results yet. But but my stepbrother, for all his life, he thought he was Italian because my stepdad was Italian. He thought he was his dad. He's not. That's just another one. There's no Italian at all. But he loves pasta. he, he's grown up thinking he was Italian. He's grown up acting Italian. He knows how to, you know, be Italian, but he's not. So I call him a hypocrite. Uh, 
you know, at the roots of when Genesis started. I remember driving and we were praying about starting this community. And I wanted a a statement, a kind of a vision statement that would guide us. And I was reading all kinds of books and I was trying to find words that would be, you know, suitable for what would guide us and kind of give us direction. And I remember when I was driving, this sentence came into my mind and it was this sentence. It was, embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. And I remember thinking, that's good. And I remember thinking, I never use the word embolden. That must be from God, because I don't remember when I've ever used that word. But this really is at the root of who we want to be, people that embolden one another, that make each other bold to change the world. How? By representing Jesus. That's our desire. Now, why does this matter? How, how does this affect the way we as followers of Christ live and interact with the people around us? You see, if we are part of God's mission to the world, what are we supposed to do and how are we supposed to do it? First thing we need to do is see where are we? Where are we in our culture? Where are we with this gospel? If we are being sent, where are we being sent from? And where are we being set, sent to? And how do we get past some of the, the barriers that are there in presenting this good news? How do we change the paradigm so church isn't a place you go to, it's a place you go out of? How do we become a people who are sent? And what we have to do is, again, shake some things up. There are Four cultural barriers I'm going to call to presenting this message. We start off here at level zero to one. This is where the church meets. And again, this is not all churches everywhere, but this is a lot of churches, especially in the United States, have this kind of, again, reformational contemporary model. And what's happening here is Those with some understanding of Christianity go, who know the vocabulary, they know what it means to be saved. You know, they say, oh, blessed. And you think, oh, they must be a Christian. They start using words and you start connecting dots. Oh, I wonder if they're Christian. Why? Because no one else is using those words, but we're using those words. And so there's a connection in these things. Usually it's a similar nationality. I mean, as a nation, not just like Italian, right? So in the United States... There was, it's not as much anymore, this kind of national understanding of faith. And from similar class groups, sometimes even political parties, they all gather together and they have their place. Now, I'm grateful that in our community, we are not all one race, one political party, that we have all kinds of class variances. I think that's healthy. That's more like the world that we're living in. I've gone to churches, and I know you have too, where they give you, when it's time to vote, they give you a voter's guide. 
They can't tell you how to vote, but they say, here's how the Bible says to vote. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, right? This is what you're supposed to do if you're believing like we believe. And so there is this mentality of this is it, and this is where most of the churches are. This is kind of where you find this community. And again, it's not like it's all bad things. It's nice to have a community where you know the people, you guys are in agreement, you kind of lock arms with some of these things. So that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it can become a barrier if it never gets to the next point. Levels one to two is people who have little real awareness or interest in Christianity, right? They know about it, but they're not really concerned about it and are somewhat suspicious of the church, right? They're like, I don't know about this. They all want your money or whatever it is. They're all hypocrites. You've heard a lot of things. Now, this might include people who have previously been offended by bad experiences with the church or with Christians. My grandfather told me a story of when, I don't know if he was sick or one of the kids were sick, that they had, I think it was a priest, but I know it's happened in other denominations as well, so it's not picking on Catholics. But there was, I think, a priest at that time who was in the house visiting them because someone was ill. And at that time, this was probably like in the 40s or maybe the 50s, a doctor came and did house calls because doctors used to do that. Can you imagine? Anyway, the doctor came and the doctor was Jewish. And the priest said, he can't be here. He's Jewish. And my grandfather escorted him out of the house. That was a nice way of saying it. At least that's the story he told me. Because he came in here and he brought that attitude. And some people are put off by Christianity because things like that. Something happens that rubs them the wrong way. They feel like, man, I don't want any part of that. I don't like what that is. Now, these are the people you'd find at the local brewery, at the soccer field. You know, they're people you run into. They're living in your community. They might know about Christianity, had a bad experience with it, and just don't care to find out anymore. Now, level two to three are people who have absolutely no idea about Christianity. They're possibly from another country, having grown up with another faith and have been marginalized maybe by the Christian community. In other words, they, they haven't been embraced. You could even put the gay community in this where they feel ostracized in some way. People who are antagonistic towards Christianity as they understand it. These are people who will not step into the church because of what they think the church means to them and where they feel like they are in relationship to the church. That's for them, not for us. And I don't think we even realize to the extent that this happens, right? We have Christian bookstores. Who goes into them? That group. We have Christian radio stations. Who listens to them? Christians. Right? If you heard we have the Muslim radio hour, you would think, oh, that's great. That's for them. You might be intrigued. You might listen. But you would think that's for them. Christian, this is for us. We have Christian clothing, Christian music. We have the whole gamut of things that are for Christian, or that's how it comes across. Level three to four, people have made up 
by different ethnic and religious groups with the bad history of the church. In other words, the church Christianity to them is contrary to them. And this might include Muslims, it might include Jews. And again, there's reason in history for them to be opposed with the things that they've heard and what they've known. They might live near us, but everything else gets in the way of a meaningful dialogue. These people are very resistant to the gospel. And the reason I'm laying these different barriers out is that the church in the U.S., operates almost entirely from this zero to one level. And our demographics are changing quickly. And it's not just immigration. It's a whole new culture that's developing that doesn't see things the way we used to see things and has reasons for not following in the steps that maybe their parents or grandparents did. You know, my parents, they were married and divorced three times. I'm not going to get married. Yeah, I'm not going to do that because whatever the reasons. And so the majority of our country is moving into these demographics, levels one to two to three to four, and the Christian church is holding on in level zero to one with this mentality, hey, you need to come here and we'll give you some good Bible teaching and we're going to give you all these things that are good for you. And most of the world never comes and never participate in those things. You know, an ostrich, it was said to have buried their head in the sand, but they don't. What they do is when they feel they can't outrun something, they play dead. They lay down, put their head on the ground, try to be as invisible as possible. They're not very bright, okay? You know, it's kind of like the kids hiding like this, you know, okay, I'm hiding. They just want to, you know, the idea of burying your head in the sand, it's like, I'm going to ignore what's going on. Well, they just feel like I can't do anything with what's going on, so I'm going to lay down and do nothing. You see, We need to recognize that the problem, and it's not really the problem, it's it's the reality. That more and more the people who occupy our neighborhoods, our country, are defined by these other groups. And the church is still living in level one and asking them to change and to meet us where we're at. And this is not being sent. This is being lazy. It's just what it is. It's easier to come be with your own people, hang out, than it is to go and be with people who are outside of your comfort zones and the things that you know. How do we go about being sent? That's what we're going to be talking about in the next few weeks. I'm going through a book that's called Missional Essentials. By Brad Briscoe and Lance Ford. If you would like this book, you can sign up in the back or you can go on Amazon and buy it. It's about 12 bucks. When we start midweek up again, we are going to go through this book because this book isn't just a book of what to do, it's a lot of questions and answers that we get to go through together 
and try and make ourselves more missional people, more missional minded, to get outside, to break the boundaries that maybe are holding us. We, we've done this with the Bell series, remember, with blessing, eating, with listening, learning, with being sent. All these things are trying to help us move into a place that is beyond these walls, beyond our comfort zone, beyond the level one, and into the lives of people. Why? Because from the beginning, when King Uzziah died and the place was shaken, God was there shaking things and he was asking someone to go in the midst of the turmoil, in the midst of the problem. And Isaiah said, it's me. Jesus came in and says, the Father has anointed me and he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the captives. He has sent me to release from darkness the prisoners. He has sent me to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now listen to those, because as the Father has sent me, so I send you. He didn't send you to argue and prove our way is right and their way is wrong. He didn't send you to have all the answers. He sent us to heal up the brokenhearted, to to proclaim freedom, to release from darkness, to help people understand that God is present in the middle of their turmoil. Just this week, a friend of someone who's a part of our community killed themselves. Devastating. And it happens. I know people who are in halfway houses. I know people who are in mental homes. I know people who are broken in so many ways. Who is going to go and help them? Don't call me. God is asking. I have to say yes when he tells me. And you have to say yes when it comes to you. If it's your friend, he's calling you. Send me. Do we have that attitude? Send me. I want to go and heal what's hurting in their lives. Do we have that mindset that I will step into your pain because that's what Jesus did to me? Or do we have the mentality, hey, why don't you come to church? Now, there's nothing wrong with bringing people to church. Please do. But if that's all we do, then we're not a sent people. If that's all we do, then we are not a missional church. We're not participants in the work of God. We're spectators. And from the beginning, that was never going to be who we were. We were to embolden one another to change the world. How do we change it? By binding up the brokenhearted, proclaiming freedom to the captives, Releasing from darkness the prisoners, stepping into people's life. Bless someone three times this, three people this week. One who doesn't come to church, eat with three people this week. One who doesn't come to church. Listen to the Spirit's voice. See what God is telling you to do. Learn about Christ because this is all about Him. We are here to imitate Him. And you're sent to do the things that he did, let's step into who we are.
because that's where he already is and that's where we'll see his power and we'll enjoy the life that he has to give. Amen. Let's pray. God, I thank you for my family here. I thank you for the people who make up Genesis and I thank you for the patience that they've had with me and my journey. I thank you for the love they have shown towards one another. I thank you for the generosity that has extended from this community to the world. And Lord, I pray that we would continue to have a mentality that extends ourselves out of whatever walls we find ourselves in. Lord, that we would not be stuck with an ideology that's all about just coming here, just getting together, but we would change our focus. We would look outward and recognize that we gather here so that we can leave, that you have a mission, and the church is that mission, God. And so may we participate in what you are already doing everywhere around us. God, I lift up the families of that young man who took his life. All the friends, God, they are hurting right now. And and I lift up that one who was closest to him that I know of who had faith. And I pray, Lord, that they are able to be a source of comfort. Lord, I pray for the young lady who is in a home needing attention because she cannot function outside in society. I pray, Lord, that there would be hope for her, that she hears a voice, your voice, through our mouths. Lord, you are speaking to us. May we respond, here I am, send me. As the needs arise in our lives and we see and understand them, may we step into them because by this we are called to follow in your steps. As God sent you, Jesus, you are sending us. May we hear your voice and say, yes, send me. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together. May you not shrink back from the disasters around you. May you understand that the Lord has touched you through Christ and has called you to step into the world. May you say, here am I. Send me. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. Thank you guys for being here. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.